Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With Tesco, where you won't pay more for the products that matter most to you. Tesco, every little helps. Now, we mentioned yesterday that The Voice, the newspaper that is produced by the students of journalism at University of Limerick was launched yesterday with two big stories on the front page and we're joined now on the programme this morning by Catherine Hayes of UL Journalism and also uh, UL Journalism student Mairead Cleary. You're both very welcome to the show this morning. How are you? Hello? Good morning. Uh, Catherine, how are you? Catherine, Good morning, Gillian. Congratulations on the launch yesterday. Thank you very much. Yes, it was a, a very um, special occasion. All this this time next year, this time this time of year. Excuse me for um, students um, here in the University of Limerick. So yesterday we officially launched uh, the 2019 edition of Limerick Voice, um, a 48-page newspaper this year. So the largest paper produced by the students to date. Um, the Voice is. Uh, I think a well-known brand now to the people of Limerick in that we have a very active digital presence. So the website has been live since September and uh, we're also active across a number of social media platforms. So over 140 news, sports, feature stories have featured on the website since September. And yesterday, the 48-page newspaper um, was published and is available this weekend free with the Limerick Leader. Okay, uh, Mairead, you were one of the students that helped to put this newspaper together. How did you find the experience? Um, I thought it was a brilliant experience. Um, thankfully, I actually got the role as podcast editor, so my role was creating. The experience was great. I found it really interesting. Um, it was a very busy time of the year. It's probably the biggest project we've ever done um, in the college year, but it really was worth it, and especially that launch yesterday was fantastic. Uh, it really kind of gave a boost and gave a sense of what we like journalism feels like, I suppose, for students. Okay, well, talk to me about this story that we <laughs> mentioned on the programme yesterday. It's on your front page, and my jaw literally dropped when I read it. <laughs> well, <laughs> an interesting reaction. It's one of those stories, I suppose, um, that we were very aware of. So I'll just, I suppose, explain it. Um, our story that I wrote with Nicole Glennon and Jordan Lynch is about local women who sell explicit content online through a new social media platform, which is called OnlyFans. And what they do is they post nude or suggestive pictures and sometimes um, pornographic videos online, and you must pay a subscription fee in order to access them. So um, it's something we heard about. I'm, I use Twitter all the time, as do the two girls. And we saw it on Twitter all the time. And we thought, kind of crazy, but we were used to seeing it. And it's only when we pitched the story to one of our lecturers, Henry Silk, that he said, this isn't common knowledge. Uh, that people are replacing part-time jobs with this kind of work and that it's something worth writing about. So we actually got in contact with uh, three girls who do this for a living as well as uh, the Sex Workers Alliance of Ireland and um, we talked to a, a sexual or a sex psychologist as well about the story. Well, Henry's absolutely right. It is not common knowledge <laughs> at all. No. <laughs> no we... That's the crazy thing. It's the benefit, I suppose, of the Limerick Voice is that it is young voices. Um, but I suppose you have a different access to, I suppose, information like that or what's happening with young people. Yeah, and, you know, I'm just baffled as to why people... for Why people would pay for this content for a start because my mm. understanding is there's plenty of this type of stuff for free available on the internet. Um, so why are guys paying for it? What's different about what these women are offering? 
So they actually, we asked them that themselves, and they said it's kind of the personalization of the experience. They said that there's such widely available content like that, but that they think the people who subscribe to them think that they know the girls, so they'll follow them on Twitter, and, and they'll tweet about their lives very publicly. Um, so they feel like they know them. And as well as that, you can ask for special requests um, for obviously a larger tip. So um, I suppose that's what they, they said. It's a more personal okay. and it's a false sense of entitlement, I suppose, as well. That was what two points they made. Special requests. Yeah. Mm. What is that? As soon as you said that, I my eyes kind of rolled and went, okay, here we I go. Um, are we talking, like they don't meet up with these guys, do they? No, they don't. And they don't know who their subscribers are. So all of them stay anonymous, but the subscribers will see who they are. So it's only a one-way system of transparency. They can so, ask for basically anything uh, in terms of requests. So and your subscriber girls, could be your next door neighbour? Yes, and you wouldn't know. Ah, you do not know. Here. I know, and even interestingly, one of the girls in the article, I'm sure you'll see it anyway, but one of the girls in the article said that someone from her hometown um, is definitely subscribed because she got anonymous messages threatening to spread the pictures across the town. So um, there is someone that she says she went to secondary school with that um, is subscribed to her platform. And how did she react? She said that she was um, put off for a while. Uh, interestingly, actually, she said that she only posted suggestive um, underwear pictures for a month, but then after the threats came up nothing, she put it up um, and support more explicit content after that. So that was her stance that underwear pictures were, weren't too bad. <laughs> and what sort of women are these? Are they on the breadline that they've no money, that they have to do this? Um, well, two of them are students um, who are doing it, and they used to have part-time jobs. They've given them up in exchange for this line of sex work. And then as well as that, there are other people who um, used to be in college, they've dropped out and they had part-time jobs and they started doing this to make ends meet. And now um, they said that they make more money off it. We have one girl who makes three and a half grand a month off it, um, but she does receive regular um, threats, especially towards her family and her father. So, I mean, it does come with its its disadvantages as as well as its financial benefits. You're not kidding. That's pretty serious stuff. And those threats haven't put her off. No, this, that's the interesting thing. She says nothing will come of it. She kind of looks at it as trolls um, who will just behind the desk. But, I mean, the, the, the nature was, the sex psychologist Anne Phillips that we spoke to did point out that these women might feel empowered by doing this, that they're taking control of their bodies, but that, that doesn't mean it's damaging and doesn't mean it's not going to damage anyone else's life. So, for the time being, they're happy with it, but who knows if we did the interviews again in 10 years' time, what they'll make of it then. Who knows? They're all in their early 20s. Exactly. There's very few people who are in their, let's say, early 50s who feel the same way about these sort of things as they did when they were in their 20s. The one thing that stood out for me as well was that one of the girls, or actually two of them really, said that initially they started doing it for money, but after a time it was more about the validation yeah, that was an interesting trend. Uh, one of the girls said that she feels she's bigger than her friends and that when she gets compliments by anonymous subscribers saying that she's a natural, beautiful body or whatever, um, she said that she just gets some validation from it. And they both said they actually enjoy the work, um, which is interesting. I mean, uh, they said they don't work very long. They won't spend more than 10 to 20 minutes um, online a day working. So they compare that to a part-time job, you know, in cafes or whatever, where you have to work, <laughs> you know, obviously nine euro an hour or something like that. So um, they said the benefits as well as financial 
it's time-saving and that they feel good um, while they do it. But like that, the professionals have warned that there could be um, longer-term uh, mental or psychological impacts of this kind of work. Do any of them have boyfriends? Yes. <laughs> One of them um, has a boyfriend and he doesn't have a problem with this. So. <laughs> right, okay. So he's very, know, pretty yeah. understanding. Yeah, it's pretty understanding. And the other thing is just on Twitter, there is a culture um, along some lines people who do use OnlyFans, it's almost like it's being supported by a, a sisterhood of girls who support each other. And some girls have actually said um, to us that they would rather their boyfriend subscribe to OnlyFans accounts instead of free porn accounts because it's, um, well, they said it was ethical porn in that you are paying for the content you're making and it goes into the pockets of real women. That's what um, some people have said on Twitter to us about it. It's an interesting right. take, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so if my, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but like, for me, it sounds like one of the selling points of OnlyFans.com. And I, actually, I don't want to be naming the website anymore because I just don't yeah. want to give it any more publicity. But this particular website, the, the, the one of the oh. selling points of it is the fact that they're almost building a relationship with this person. Um, yes. Or even if it is a sort of a fantasy relationship uh, online with them. And that's why it's maybe they're willing to pay for that rather than the free stuff because it feels more real and they're more connected. Surely if you're in a relationship, you wouldn't like that at all. Exactly. That's kind of an interesting point as well, that people who are subscribing to it, they are setting up some kind of relationship. Even one girl who we talked to said she has one subscriber who seems to be a big fan of her. She'll put up just a a picture of herself on Twitter smiling, just a selfie, and um, she'll receive like 50 euro in her PayPal account and someone saying, have a great day. And she has this person, she's decided that he's kind of in love with me. So it is, I mean, it's, it's strange. It's a really strange relationship set up with these anonymous people online, especially if you are in a, in a real-life relationship. I don't know how that would affect. Like, we only had one example of someone within a real-life relationship, and they seemed okay with it, but I'm sure it wouldn't go down well with most partners. Catherine, what was your reaction when you heard this story? Yeah, well, the the topic came up as Maureen explained. There, she worked on the story with her with her colleagues Jordan and Nicole in uh, Henry Silk's investigative journalism a module, with the four, which the fourth years take part of their undergrad here in UL. And I am always stealing stories from that class for the Voice. Um, and I, when the girls told me about the story, I just. I had a very similar reaction to, to yourself and I think most people, Gillian. But I think what's really interesting about The Voice is it's produced by students, but it's a local newspaper, a local news product. So there are stories that are um, of interest to the wider public. And I think this story, notwithstanding that it seems to be more younger people who are um, engaging in it, definitely has an impact on wider society. And I, I know the girls spoke to, the journalists spoke to some of the girls who, who mentioned uh, one girl in particular t- telling her mother. So, you know, mothers and fathers listening to your show here this morning are, you know, probably very interested in the story as well and shocked by it, I'm sure. But the mum of one of the girls featured in the story was concerned about, uh, she realised her daughter seemed to have a lot of extra money and she then, the, the daughter confided in her as to what she was doing. Um, I think it's a really interesting story. And what's really interesting as well, I think, is, and I'm teaching in UL here for four years now, but the amount of students who are who do have part-time jobs, who have to have part-time jobs, who are um, funding their way through college, because college is expensive. And I suppose these these girls that feature in this story were undoubtedly um, very much attracted by the money that they were making. As we heard there, there was one girl in Belfast making 
over three thousand euro. The average, I think, married was about eight hundred. I think. Um, yeah, but still, you know, and and I think what your point there, Gillian, about you know the the, the well, there's lots of points, but I think for the girls, it seems to be a job. Um, but then I suppose the subscribers are looking at it as potentially more of a connection and more of an into a type of relationship, notwithstanding the fact that it's not real. But no, it's it's a really great story. It's it it shows um, good journalistic investigative skills, but also it's 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 tapping into a a, a a very important issue that I think you know in, could, can potentially impact a lot of people. Marie, can I ask you? These girls, are they all good looking. And <laughs> um, yes, I think they're yeah, they're great looking girls. I won't lie. And um, one of them said that she's actually done a bit of modelling before on Instagram and things like that. So I don't think it's professional modelling, but yeah, they are attractive girls. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and I'm just curious. Like, uh, is is it half modelling kind of Victoria's Secret type girls that are making the money on this? Um, um I, I wouldn't say no. Probably not Victoria's Secret. <laughs> but they're they're not average looking. No, they'd be, they'd be yeah, they're attractive girls. Yeah, they would definitely. Yeah, okay, Catherine, there are. Plenty of other great stories. Um, in fact, we're, we're referencing one of them in our news and crediting the voice this morning. Um, the, the mumps story—that's that's a big one. But and plenty of other really good content inside the paper as well. Yeah, indeed. And I, Eugene Phelan, who was at the launch yesterday on behalf of the Leader, made the point that um, you know he he was shocked at that story you just referred to, but also the um, number of the other stories that were that are issues affecting younger people but have implications for the wider um, public. There's a story on page nine. Um, it's uh, about chemsex parties, which some people hadn't heard about before, but um, it's, it's warnings about this industrial cleaning product which has been used at uh, these parties. Essentially, it's a drug to enhance or, or prolong sexual activity and it's, it's potentially lethal. And uh, there's a very good piece in, in the paper by Kyle Lehan, again, um, a piece that he, he was working on for his investigative journalism module. A lot of um, very, um, there's a strong health theme to the paper this year. Um, there are um, some, some, some really interesting pieces. There is a story and an interview with Jennifer Purcell, one of our graduates here last year as well, talking about how she went public when she had a her survival cancer scare. Um, there's um, other stories that definitely would be of interest to the to the, to the wider public. Um, stories about struggles um, experienced by transgender people um, in terms of getting the treatment they need here in Ireland. And um, some very interesting. What was great this year, Julian, was he had a farming and business section. Kathleen O'Sullivan, our business and farming editor, very passionate about agricultural stories, which we know are dominating a lot of the headlines at the moment. Um, there's a lovely feature with a um, a vegan um, farmer who's who's planning to transform her family's 143 acre beef farm to a vegan friendly haven. Um, a lovely piece as well on the Midwest School for the Deaf here in Limerick, um, which marks its 40th anniversary in Limerick. Um, next year, just or in January, in fact. So it's definitely a very strong sports section as well this year, which is great. Um, Roisin Upton is featured there from the hockey team, and uh, there's the back page picture is very striking. Haley Kylie, she's um, a young Moy Ross girl who's studying. It'd be a primary school teacher in um, Mary I, but she's set to take the world kick, kickboxing stage by storm. So definitely uh, value for, value for money. <laughs> Forty eight pages, no ads, lots of content. Yeah, how did you find the process of putting it together, Mairead? Um, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, there was a nice, long, long time to get your articles together. You know, we knew the publication wasn't coming until December, so 
starting ideas and stuff like that in um, September. It gave us a lot of time to put stories together. Obviously, news comes near the end here. We can only put it in as it comes. But the last week, I suppose, of production, um, all the editors were in the room and the production manager, and they were putting the paper together. I think they were probably a little bit uh, stressed out, but it was definitely worth it. And that It was busy, but it was definitely worthwhile. And uh, these girls that you talked to, as part mm. of uh, researching the article in order that you wrote on the front page of the paper, uh, Ashling and Sarah, are they pseudonyms? Are they? Um, are they pseudonyms? Sorry, no pseudonyms. Did make? Did you make up names? Oh, sorry. Yes, yeah, they are. Uh, okay. we, they wanted their um, their names changed because they said that. Well, one as you said, one parent knows, but uh, the other girl's parents do not know. Okay. Um, what do you think the chances are that they'd come into the studio here and have a chat in Limerick today about what they're up to? Um, I'm not really sure. I think they might be up for it. Um, we can always try. I can always try and get them on board. I don't know if they'd, they'll mind or not. Yeah, I, I'm just curious. Like, if I they know. want the, if if you want your names changed, your voice sometimes can identify you to certain people. Mammy might be yeah. listening and all that kind of thing. You do wonder, you know, if they're conscious of being found out as having done this. You know, would um, they not be afraid of revenge porn down the line? Yeah, that's the interesting thing. Revenge porn did come up in our conversations and the interviews, but um, it's not something that they were really afraid of, I suppose. They said that they just go straight to the solicitor about it. Um, I, I mean, the truth of the matter is, it is the content is behind a paywall, but someone can screenshot it and they can put it on other platforms like Facebook or Twitter, and then it's available for free if someone wanted to. Um, I don't know. They said their friends and families and siblings know, or friends and siblings know. Um, one brother, one brother knows, and the sister knows, and one mother knows. But uh, no, the older, the parents and grandparents and stuff like that do not know. No. I don't know how they reacted. Did come out. I think they plan to keep it secret if they can at all. Yeah, well, I don't know how many times I've heard in my life I'd probably be rich if I got a euro for it every time I heard the phrase it's a small country. It is a very small small country. country. (laughs) Look, you've done great work. It's a fascinating story, Maraid, and the paper itself sounds packed full of stuff. Catherine Hayes, congratulations to you on that as well. UL journalism lecturer and also Maraid Cleary, student there with Limerick Voice Journalist. Thanks very much for joining us on Limerick Today. Thank you. Call Limerick today now on 461995.